0: Looking back at last year's rookie class and two sophomores who could help propel Washington into the 2023 NFL playoff race, that and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Commanders. Podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. So please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So you always get the latest episodes when they drop. I am David Harrison, credentialed member of the media covering the Washington Commanders for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can find me there, here, or on Twitter at dHarrison82, or you can text me anytime at two zero two seven six zero two six. Four, four And now you can find Locked On Commanders on the Sirius XM app. Thanks for making Locked Commanders your first listen or view today and every day. And a special thank you to all the everydayers out there coming through five days a week. This is our third episode. We had our first episode of Rookie Mini Camp Review, among other things. We had our mailbag episode on Tuesday. Now, here today, we've got this episode, and we're actually starting. It's not a mailbag episode, but we are going to start with a question because it basically inspired the entire tone of today's episode, and it came from Jay on YouTube, who asked, how well do you think Jahan will do his second year? Well, I decided not only am I going to look at Jahan, but I'm also going to look at Brian Robinson. Both of these guys are going to be key contributors for the offense. Of course, second-year quarterback Sam Howell also going to be a key contributor, but it's kind of hard to take his one game of play and really try to extrapolate. The more you have to extrapolate, the less accurate that gets, and Uh, Anytime you kind of take numbers and expand them into other areas, it's already a little bit inaccurate just because not every game is cookie cutter, right? So I don't want to take Sam Howell stats and take one game and extrapolate over 17 potential games because that is a very, very far stretch. As it is with Jahan Dotson and running back Brian Robinson, who we'll get to here uh, in just a little bit, we're going to extrapolate some data. So again, it's not completely accurate, it's not supposed to be a pinpoint prediction or projection of what a guy can do but it just kind of shows you the pace that these two guys were on in their rookie seasons and what the potential could be if the Washington Commanders and Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator assistant head coach can find a way to maximize on the potential that these two guys showed in year one so starting with Jahan Dotson 2022 first round pick number 16th overall selection in last year's first round after the Washington Commanders traded out of pick number 11 with the new orleans saints the new orleans saints moved up and they took chris olave uh the wide receiver out of ohio state and that's really kind of where we want to start this discussion because when you look at olave and dotson side by side you see here that dotson played 12 games in the season of course that hamstring injury chris olave ended up playing 15 total games in his rookie year uh 10 games started for Jahan dotson nine games started for chris olave but in those games Jahan dotson had 61 targets to olave's 119 35 receptions to Olave's 72, 523 yards to Olave's 1,042. But he did he did surpass Olave in yards per reception, 14.9, compared to Olave's 14.5. And then Jahan Dotson led all rookie receivers last year with seven touchdowns, while Chris Olave came in with the rest of the pack uh, having four touchdowns. Of course, I don't show you those numbers just to say, okay, well, here who's better, the Chris Olave receiver or Jahan Dotson as receiver? Uh, you know, but because those two were involved in the trade, because both the teams involved in the trade did draft wide receivers, uh, those two guys specifically are going to be compared to each other uh, throughout, you know, from time to time throughout the course uh, of their career. So value is relative, of course, right? So while the stats, I mean, you look at the stats and basically Chris Olave uh, came out on top of Jahan Dotson in, in most of the stat categories. I think yards per catch uh, being more for Jahan Dotson than, Jahan, than Chris Olave kind of shows that explosiveness that we saw of Jahan during the periods when he was uh, healthy. And, of course, the seven touchdowns compared to four really only just serves to reinforce that. But the value of each player is going to be relative, right? Because with Jahan Dotson, the Washington Commanders added a first-round receiver to a group that already involved Terry McLaurin. Uh, already had Curtis Samuel, and Curtis Samuel got healthy, stayed healthy last year while adding Dotson to the mix. So that certainly has an impact on how much usage, how many targets Jahan Dotson is going to get in there. And it also has an impact on how, Urgent, the Washington Commanders had to feel getting him back on the field and back up to full speed after that hamstring injury. Meanwhile, the Saints got Michael Thomas back last year for all of three games, and because of it, the Olave was the highest targeted receiver on their roster as a rookie and the second highest targeted receiver on their team, Jarvis Landry with third. Jarvis Landry with thirty nine. So Olave has one hundred and nineteen targets in his rookie season the second highest targeted wide receiver on the team had 39 targets. That's a massive, massive discrepancy. The Saints second and third leading target share guys were a running back in Elvin Kamara and a tight end in Jawan Johnson. So that certainly plays into how much, how many targets uh, Crystal Live is going to get. Now the catches, you know what I mean? Per target and all that stuff, the yards, the yards per catch, uh, all of those things. And you see, the defense really kind of clamps down on Chris Olave when they get into that quote unquote scoring range leading to a reduction uh, in some of those tight ends. But of course, Dotson still this year is playing with Terry McLaurin. He's playing with Curtis Samuel. So barring injury, he's still going to be competing for targets. He's going to be competing for snaps with each of those guys. And I think his best opportunity i think is pretty obvious, but his best opportunity to gain ground on target snaps, all of those things is by taking away from Curtis Samuel. So, that's really where we get into this discussion of how good can Jahan Dotson be in year two. Well, last year, while missing five full games as a rookie, uh, again, got, he went down in that first Cowboys game. Uh, Dotson was out snapped by Samuel by just 200 snaps. So despite the fact that he missed five full games, despite the fact that he missed most of that Cowboys game, he was outsnapped by Kurt Samuel, just 200 snaps. And I say just 200 snaps because for the most part, Dotson got around 50 snaps. Per game. So missing five and a half or four and a half games, five games, uh, five and a half games, in fact, you, when you include the ramp up, right? So that first game back, first couple games back, you're not going full speed. So, really, if you want to do it, you can say you basically took about five and a half games away from Jahan Dotson because of the injury he suffered, the time missed, and then the time having to ramp back up. Yet he still only missed four games. So, there's a whole game and a half worth of snaps that he basically made up in that period of time. Now, the ramp-up stage, he got snaps of 34, 45, and 38, so only hit 40 once, didn't hit 50 at all in those first three games back from the hamstring injury, but Dotson out Samuel in the first three games leading up to the injury, so right from the jump, the Washington Commanders essentially knew that John Dotson, which is why he was a first-round draft pick, was going to be an important part of what they were doing on offense, and beginning in week 13, the fourth game back. So, kind of after that ramp up period, he outsnapped Curtis Samuel 282 to 220. So, basically, a full game's worth of snaps made up in just from just the fourth game back to the end of the season, those last five games. Now, if you average Dotson's snaps when healthy, right? So, if you take those first games before the injury and then the games following the ramp up and you take those and you extrapolate those, you end up with. 112 targets 63 receptions 962 yards and 12 touchdowns that's not to say that's what he would have gotten but it is to say essentially when healthy that is the pace that Jahan dotson was on so i think that's a fair benchmark to aim for for Jahan dotson's second season again you look at the usage trends you look at the target trends and you look at if he can say healthy that's always going to be a big part of this right if he can say healthy i think that's a realistic target i think a little over 100 targets 60 to 70 receptions, 900 to 1,000 yards, and you know 12 touchdowns would be great for any receiver. So you know if he can re- repeat that touchdown production, but I think eight to 12 touchdowns is probably a more realistic window. And if you compare those numbers right to second-year receivers last year, so 2021 sophomore receivers, you're basically talking about a ceiling that is Miami Dolphins receiver Jalen Waddell and a floor that is Los Angeles Chargers receiver Josh Palmer. So somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, although, dots and touchdowns were more than both of those guys. So essentially, if you look at those projections, uh, Jalen Waddle, those are, those projections are Jalen Waddle type targets, Josh Palmer type receptions, Jamar Chase type yards, and more than Jamar Chase touchdowns. So. That is about a realist. That's about as realistic we can get. Uh, you know, kind of tethering things down. And even as we call those realistic, you're talking Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase type numbers. Those are those are big numbers, especially when you are again in a receiver group with Terry McLaurin and with Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown. We'll see how he develops with uh, Eric Bieniemy's offense. So, what about Brian Robinson, the other? You know, not just the other sophomore, but the other sophomore that we really have a good amount of data on to try to project a second season's worth of production. That's coming up next on today's episode of Lockdown Commanders, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're doing that today thanks to our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and the calories and you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built, you got to try this. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing, coming in amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. They're so healthy, you're not going to realize that they're good for you. Covered in 100% real chocolate, they taste like candy bars, but they pack amazing macros like 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. You can get them at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or at Built.com. At Walmart, you can go there, find cookies and cream bars, double chocolate bars, or coconut puff. If you go to Sam's Club, you can find brownie batter puff and churro puff. And at Built.com right now, you can get in on the limited return release of birthday cake puff and red velvet puff that's built.com whether you get it at walmart sam's club or built.com however you get it you gotta try this thanks again for making a lot of your first listen or your first view today and every day every day again thank you for being here stick with us through the rest of the week we've got some more film study coming we've got some more uh some more, uh, some, more some more some more other content coming as we get through the rest of this week we got otas coming up. Uh, again next week if we do a similar type of comparison with brian robinson jr that we just did with jahan Dotson, and we can look at how robinson performed compared to the five running backs that were drafted ahead of him those five running backs were Brees hall going to the new york jets at pick number 36 kenneth walker the third uh going number 41 to the seattle seahawks james cook going to buffalo at number 63 rashad white going to tampa bay at number 91. Tyrion Davis price going to number 93 to the San Francisco 49ers and then there was Brian Robinson uh, the sixth running back drafted in 2022 now with the time missed Brian Robinson totaled out in his rookie season 205 carries which came in fourth in the class behind Walker Damian Pierce who was drafted after Robinson by the Houston Texans Tyler Algier who was drafted after Robinson by the Atlanta Falcons. He had 797 yards, which ranked fifth in the class behind Walker, Algier, Pierce, and Isaiah Pacheco, uh, who's basically drafted after everybody by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, yards per attempt, four running backs that had at least 200 carries. You know what I mean? We've got, to, we've got to narrow down the group just a little bit. 3.9 yards per carry uh, for Brian Robinson Jr., fourth place behind Algier, Walker, and Pierce. And then two touchdowns for Brian Robinson, seventh behind Walker, Pacheco, Hall, Pierce, Algier, and Cook. So, Really, if you look at the sixth drafted running back, your fourth, fifth, fourth, seventh in your class, that's pretty good value. It, it kind of says you're right around the ballpark of where you probably should have been drafted. And the Commanders can say we actually got slightly better production. Uh, and then when you add on to it that he missed the first four games of the season uh, because of the unfortunate incident that he was a uh, victim to during the preseason, obviously that you've, you're happy with the return. I think that you got, and he clearly jumps two backs that were drafted ahead of him, Rashad White by the Buccaneers and Tyrion Davis-Price by the San Francisco 49ers. So really, he's the fourth, oh, like holistically, he's the fourth best produ- producing back in last year's class, but he was drafted six overall. So that's good return on investment for the Washington Commanders. Something interesting, though, came out when I was looking at these numbers specific to Brian, Rob- Brian Robinson's rookie season, and that was that Washington was 4-1-1 one, and one whenever Robinson got 45% of the offensive snaps or more. So we're talking wins against Chicago, wins against Green Bay, Philadelphia, Atlanta, the tie against the New York Giants, and a loss to Cleveland. Those are the only six games that, according to Pro Football Reference, that Brian Robinson got 45% or more of the Washington Commanders' offensive snaps. And in those games, again, 4-1-1. One, and one. So that's a pretty good, Track record. Now, in those games, Brian Robinson averaged 21 carries, 84.5 yards, 4.09 yards per carry, and had a touchdown in 33% of those games. If you extrapolate that over a full season, it's about a five touchdown uh, in the season pace. Now, in games where Robinson didn't get 45% snap shares or more on the offense for the commanders, they had a four and eight record. It's quite a big difference if you extrapolate those winning numbers, season, or numbers to a full season, right? So the 21 carries, 840, 84.5, 4.09 yards per carry, and touchdowns, uh, about five touchdowns there. What you're looking for is which what that, that data takes you to is if he's used consistently throughout the season and stays healthy at 45% or more in games, then he averages out to about 357 carries, which would be the most in the class, 1,436 yards rushing, which would also be the most in the class, And those five touchdowns would tie him for the second now this is a little bit this is this is a little bit of a of an example of not necessarily saying that well all washington had to do last year when when they had be rob healthy was just hand the ball to brian robinson and and move out of the way it is just an example of what can happen when an nfl team gets their best running back involved and he's allowed to build up a rhythm throughout the course of the game into the contest in fact when Brian Robinson outsnapped Antonio Gibson whether that was 45% 42% doesn't matter anytime Brian Robinson outsnapped Antonio Gibson Washington was 4 and 2 the only losses in that run in that six game picture San Francisco and Cleveland and i think if you remember those two games you know it was not on the running backs Antonio or Brian or anybody else that the team lost those games Uh, Yeah, so I think we can all agree that wasn't on the running back, but if we take Robinson's averages that he had all of last season, so that includes the ramp-up games, that includes the less than 45% snap carries, all of the games. We just take his yearly averages uh, for for his rookie season, but you give him back those games he missed, he comes out with 290 carries in the season, which is first in the rookie class, and he comes out with 1,129 rushing yards, which is also first in the class now. It's important to note that the only three running backs that were drafted last year that played in all 17 games were Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, and Tristan Ebner, who was a six-round pick by the Chicago Bears. They're the only ones that played all 17 in 2022. So every other running back, you know, we say that Brian Robinson would be first in carries, first in yards, but you would have to go through and adjust everybody else's numbers uh, and tick them up as well. So he may not actually finish number one. But bottom line is, if he's number one there, he's going to finish top three uh, probably in all of those categories. And if you take Brian Robinson out of the rookie class and you stack him up against last year's second-year running backs, those numbers would have ranked him first in carries among sophomore running backs in 2022, ahead of the likes of Najee Harris out of Pittsburgh and Travis Etienne in Jacksonville. And he also would have led the sophomores in rushing yards. So, again, when Brian Robinson was on the field, he was certainly one of the better young backs in the national football league those numbers also would have made him one of the better backs in the league period it would have made him the fifth ranked running back in carries and the seventh ranked running back in yards so just to give you an idea of the pace that he kept despite missing those first four games having to ease into the schedule ease into the offense and despite missing uh, or in having and bouncing back and forth with antonio gibson as far as who's going to have more snaps uh, in a given game which could have been part of conditioning, could have been part of the ongoing recovery plan. So, again, I'm not trying to crucify anybody for making those decisions. It's just just, the idea is just to give kind of a screenshot of the pace that Brian Robinson was playing on when he was on the field. Uh, Fully healthy in 2023, if the Washington Commanders can get Brian Robinson that 45% snap share each game, then the pace he was running at would have had him competing to be a top five or even a top three rushing back in the NFL. So very interesting data and numbers there and again, you know, not every game is going to be the same, not every defense is going to be the same, so it's, it's hard. So you can't take those numbers and just say boom, definitively top 3, top 5 back, but the potential you can certainly say uh is there. Now there's another way to measure how well a player did in his first NFL season and that's by looking at the way that people on the outside look at him. The better they think he was as a rookie, the better they'll think he'll they think he'll do as a sophomore. That is coming up next on today's episode of Lockdown Commanders. In this final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Commanders, looking at 2022 rookies Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson Jr., the young receiver, the young running back, taking their performances, taking their data, taking it and turning it into a full season's worth of projections to kind of see what we might be able to expect from these guys uh in year 2. But the other part of this, so you've got data, you've got stats, and all those things look great. And I think when you talk about the eye test, Jahan Dotson certainly passes the eye test. Brian Robinson Jr. certainly passed the eye test. But what about the court of public opinion? That's another wrinkle uh, in these types of stories that we haven't talked about here just yet. So we're going to talk about that now on this episode. And we're going to do that via a redraft, a 2022 redraft. And no, it's not Mock Draft Monday, so bear with me here. But ESPN did a 2022 nfl draft redraft ahead of the 2023 nfl draft and they had all their espn beat reporters come in they use their hindsight they use current roster alignments and they determined a whole new batch of picks uh based on what these rookies did in year one and what their teams need uh in year two of course guys like brock purdy for example a first round pick in this redraft no draft day trades were involved so washington was mock drafting here in this redraft at pick number 11. although. I would say the trade happened, so I would go ahead and put Washington number 16, but I digress. That's not my decision. John Kime, ESPNB reporter covering the Washington Commanders, of course, uh, picked for the Washington Commanders, and he passed on wide receiver Jahan Dotson, and instead he picked North Carolina State offensive tackle Ikem Aquanu, saying, quote, wide receiver Jahan Dotson is excellent and will be a dynamic slot, but number 11 is a bit high to take, and Washington could build a strong right side of the line with Equanu, then shift Sam Cosme inside to guard and have a stellar pairing for a long time or they could shift Equanu to left tackle to replace Charles Lennon Jr. Iquanu started slow but finished strong and should be a fixture for the Panthers. Coach Rivera wants to build a strong line he can do, do so with Iquanu end quote and no this is not another commander right coming over of course you, you know the, the Carolina Panthers connection there is going to be pointed out so Uh, In real life, Aquanu went number six overall to the Carolina Panthers. And, again, started kind of slow, finished a little bit better. In this redraft, however, the Carolina Panthers passed on Aquanu and took Tulsa offensive tackle Tyler Smith, who in real life went to the Dallas Cowboys at pick number 26. So it's a five-spot slide for Aquanu, an 18-spot rise for Smith, and Dotson falls to pick number 19. He makes it past 16, but he does go to the New Orleans Saints. This time at 19, uh, they took quarterback Kenny Pickett with the 16th overall pick right ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they ended up with Pickett and Dotson. Uh and I'll tell you right now the real life New Orleans Saints probably would appreciate having those two uh right about now if they could. Now, this was a two-round mock, which is kind of one of the reasons I went with this redraft because I like the second layer of analysis here and analysis here and a pick number 47 in the second round. Real life the Commanders took Alabama defensive tackle Federyn Mathis. And after basically missing the entire first season with uh, his with that injury, no surprise, he's not here on this redraft. Nobody uh, coming up here in the second round to take him. And Washington instead took Auburn cornerback quarter, Roger McCreary, a slot guy. Um, so you kind of look at it facing this year's needs with last year's goggles. Uh, where Washington clearly won in terms of value for talent, though here is the running back position. Brian Robinson Jr., third-round pick like we just covered for the Washington Commanders, but here – He goes in round two at pick number 63. You're talking a 30-plus pick jump for Brian Robinson Jr. from the late 90s to the early 60s, this time going to the Cincinnati Bengals. In real life, number 63 was traded from the Bengals to the Bills, and the Bills took Georgia running back James Cook. So Dotson slid down the board a little bit from 16 to 19, but really I wouldn't say that's a a gauge of his talent and ability. I would say more that's that's more probably like team needs uh, and things like that, so not bad at all there and then the rise of robin really shows the value while the mathis absence from a two-round redraft is expected i'm not going to say that's indicative of what he can or could do or his potential because if we're being honest we really didn't get a chance to see his nfl regular season potential due to uh how quickly that injury had so a solid first three picks if you ask me if you call you know dotson basically good good spot good pick uh mathis you kind of give him a, a wash there you don't really hold it against them you don't give them uh any necessarily you know uh, unearned benefit but then you look at that third round pick rising up to the second round that's that's a pretty good sign that you're doing a pretty good job granted again none of this is definitively scientific as in you can't just say boom this is exactly what's going to happen mock drafts certainly not uh scientific because you're take you look at the picks. Right, we go off as a tackle and slot corner for the commanders this year that's great uh but if those are the picks last year if those are the actual picks last year this year we're probably saying man this team really could use a wide receiver uh and a running back so you know it's it's high it's a little bit of hindsight it's a little bit of current year needs kind of mixed together to do a redraft but they're always a little bit of fun and like i said the court of public opinion will tell you uh what people think of your players and your team so when you see a member of the washington commanders who let's be honest the outside world doesn't have a lot of love Uh, for the Washington Commanders, but when you see a Commanders draft pick being elevated as much as Brian Robinson Jr. was in this redraft, that shows you that not only are Commanders fans appreciating him, not only are the local media saying good things about him, the team saying good things about him, but the outside world uh, game is recognizing game. So interesting stuff there, hopefully for you guys. I had a lot of fun putting it together. Jay, I appreciate the question that literally sparked the entire episode. So, Commanders fans, you guys ask amazing questions. I greatly appreciate it. If you have your own, make sure you send them in. Drop them in the live chat during the premiere. Drop them in the comment section on YouTube afterwards. Email me. Hit me up on Twitter or text me. I appreciate you either way for making Locked On Commanders your first listen or your first view today. And every day for my everydayers, we've got two more episodes coming this week. And then we'll ramp up into next week. We've got our first session of OTAs coming up next week for the Washington Commanders, so a lot of things going on. We'll fire up the mailbag again next week as well. Already got some really good questions stashed away, but if you want to get yours in as well, send them in via email at commanders at gmail.com, on Twitter at dharrison82, in the YouTube comments, or text me anytime 202-760-2644 via subtext. Signing off for today, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, credential member of the media, covering your Washington Commanders, and more importantly, hanging out with all of you five days a week. If you're out about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and I'll see you right back here next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.